I had an um, Iranian couple that I had flown over when I was in Bolivia um, who was uh, with me, and afterwards we were, uh, we had gone out, we were hitting the streets praying for people and saw some people get healed, and we were having to do this three ring of translation where uh, they were, uh, the wife only spoke Farsi, so we had, so she uh, was speaking Farsi, the husband, husband was translating English, and they were translating for that into Spanish to minister to the Bolivian people, and uh, <clears throat> it was the only way we could do it, you know, but we were trying to get them equipped so that they could go back and, you know, teach it to, you know, the people that were under their leadership. And uh, as we were driving back, we were staying at the school in in kind of like the school dormitories where we were doing the conference. And as we were driving back, you know, this couple, they were just crying and they were whispering back and forth in Farsi and, and weeping. And I was like, oh man, they're, they're, they're feeling the, um, you know, they're, they're feeling jealous of our freedom, you know, is what I was thinking, uh, to be able to just openly do this in the streets, openly do, you know, and as we were driving back, I just said, guys, I said, are you really sad because, you know, you don't have this kind of freedom that we have here in the West? And uh, they said, no. They said, we're, we're not weeping because of our loss. We're weeping for you. And I said, why, why would you weep for us? And they said, you, the, the Christians here in the West can do this every day. You have the freedom to do this every day, all day long, anytime you want. Why don't you? And I looked at them and I just said, because we're afraid. And they're like, well, you're afraid of imprisonment? You're afraid of being put to death? And I said, no, we're afraid of being laughed at. We're afraid of being mocked. And, uh, and my friends looked at me and they were like, that's it? And I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's it. Guys, we have an incredible opportunity to put Jesus on display every day. We have an incredible opportunity. We need to seize it. We need to take, we need to take that. We need to run with that. We, we aren't waiting for more. And the, and the reality is that <clears throat> the earth is, is longing for that. The earth is, 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 uh, is crying out for that. Uh, turn, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn and look in, in, in Genesis 1, 26. And this is, the, this is the first place where we see Jesus sort of introducing, uh, or, or God uh, introducing the understanding of identity, I believe. And this is the first uh, part of that. Um, I, I, was in a, I, was, I was in China, and I was in Shenzhen, and... Uh, the uh, we were ministering at several underground churches there in China. Could I get a bottle of water? I didn't grab one on the way up. If I could grab it, thank you, Wilson. Uh, and and we were uh, at this restaurant, and the person who was hosting me, um, uh, which also something. Thank you so much, Lee. Something that blows me away. If you talk to Cameron, when Cameron and I were having a conversation, he goes, "You know who we pray for?" And I was like, "Who?" And he goes, "China." We pray for China. I'm like, wow, Iranian, <laughs> the persecuted church in Iran is praying for the persecuted church in China. You know, I'm like, that's, that's moved me. But we were there uh, in China and, the, and the, the lady who was kind of hosting us, who was taking us on a tour, her husband is, a, uh, is one of the most respected professors uh, at, the, at the Shanghai's uh, sort of uh, what would be our, you know, famous technology school? Um, that it, 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 they 
theirs there in China. Her husband is a really respected professor there. And in China, education is more valued than finances, really. Um, How we view people with wealth uh, or fame, they view people with education. Education is the highest commodity, really, that gets you any sort of respect in China. And so, anyway, so she was our tour, sort of our tour guide, which was helpful because she was highly respected within the nation. And so, you know, they were going to less mess with her. And so she was kind of taking us around. Well, she's a passionate follower of Christ, really a pastor in her own right. Uh, this is UU, by the way. Um, and so uh, she's, she's taking us around. And so uh, she's like, when we first get there, she looks at me and she goes, now, Robbie, she goes, I'm watching you. She goes, do not pray for people outside of the churches and the meetings. She goes, you take too many risks. And she goes, I don't want you to put the people that we are with in jeopardy. And she goes, so don't pray for people because, you know, you're the big white guy. They're going to be watching you. You know, don't, you know, we're already being watched already. So she goes, don't, you know, don't put anybody in jeopardy. And I was like, okay, okay, I got it. And so we were in this uh, one particular restaurant. And um, you do realize, like, even in China, McDonald's is still Chinese food. It's, it really is. Uh, so we, we're, we're in this restaurant. It wasn't McDonald's. We were in, a, in a, what would be considered a Chinese restaurant by us, even our standards. But we're in there, and I noticed this, the waitress has this, her arm is all strapped up. You know, she's got this brace, and it is driving me insane. You know, I'm like, I just can't, I can't keep away from it. And, and we've been praying for people, you know, inside these meetings, and I'm just Dying. If I don't pray for people outside of a church every now and then, I, like if at least several times a week, if I don't do that, I just feel like a caged tiger. Like it drives me crazy. I just feel like my insides are on the outside and everything's backwards and messed up. And so it just drives me nuts. And so I, <clears throat> I looked at this woman and I was like, okay, you use watching me. <laughs> Supposedly there's like some sort of secret police watching us too. So, you know, how do I do this? And so um, I walked around the corner, uh, you know, kind of going towards the kitchen and where the bathrooms were. And about that time, this young lady rounds the corner and I'm like, ha, 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 you know, and I'm like, ha, ha, you know? and I looked at her and I said, do you speak English? And she's like, a little bit, you know, and I'm like, all right, the little bits works, you know, we'll do this. And so I'm pointing to her wrist and I'm asking, and basically what I'm getting out of her, she's got carpal tunnel and that uh, she's about to go in for surgery for carpal tunnel. And so I looked at her and I said, uh, you know, and in my best broken, you know, simplified English that I could break down for her, you know, I said, look, if you let me pray for you, Jesus will completely heal your arm right now. And so she's like, I don't know who Jesus is. And I said, uh, I said, you know, I'm trying to explain to her God. And, and she, goes, I, she goes, I said, well, you'll know who he is when I pray for you. Yeah, this, this is the introduction. This is how you're going to meet him, you know? And so she's like, she's like, okay. And she goes, but I'm Buddhist. And I said, not for long. <laughs> that, that won't last. But uh, I just said, just let me pray for you. And she goes, she goes, okay. And so... Uh, I, I, you know, I got her to, to, you know, take the, I said, just take the brace off and tell me, you know, where the pain was at. And she's like, if I go to this, it's at a 10. And she goes, if I do this, oh, that's really bad, you know. So I was like, okay, that's 10. I prayed and uh, 
you know, commanded the pain to go, commanded her wrist to be healed, and it drops down to a two. So, you know, she's experienced 80% healing. And so I said, can I pray again? And she's like, you know. And so I reach over and I pray again. And this time she reaches over to check it, and she grabs a tray filled with dishes. And she lifts it up, and she does like this, and then lifts it down, and then lifts it back up, and does this two or three times. And then she puts a pitcher of water on it. And does the same thing. And she looks at me and she's like, you know, zero, no pain. And then she turns around. I said, now this is the best part. Jesus just introduced himself to you. And she does this and she disappears. She runs away. And I'm like, she's gone to get the popo. <laughs> she is, 5-0 is on its way. And I am going to be arrested, you know. And I'm not so much worried about myself, but the people that are outside in the restaurant. And I'm like, oh, man, my heart starts racing. And she comes back with one of the cooks and one of the other waiters. And she goes, them too, them too, them too. And so we prayed for them. And, and one of the guys, we didn't see much happen. It only, got, it only went about 50%, but the other person got completely healed too. And, and I, I looked at her and I started trying to explain to her about Jesus. I said, you know, would, would you like to accept that Jesus just invited himself? And, and, and having no context, you know, of course, I would love to just stand there and preach the gospel to them. But I'm also thinking of this time. I'm, I'm also sort of scared of you, you, because she's like, you know, she's a powerful lady and she's going to be mad at me. And... And so I finally just, and people ask me all the time, you know, when they see some of the Darren's documentaries and stuff like that, they're like, what about those people after you leave? Let me tell you something. God will look after his seed. God looks after his seed. You heard that in Cameron's testimony. He leads this one person to Christ, doesn't, loses contact, goes back later and finds out that one person has now planted a church and has 50 followers. I mean, God looks after his seed. You know what I mean? And so, um, I, and I, but, but we left, I left that restaurant and I was like panicking. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I told the girl, I said, I believe there's a, I, 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 I said, last I checked, you could, he, even here in China, so much is blocked in the internet there. It's not as free to access as we have. But I said, I do believe you can get, see the Chinese version of the New Testament still on Google. There is a Chinese version that you, I said, try to find that. I explained to her and she she said she would look it up. And as we were, as we are, you know, we go back and, you know, step away and I'm, I'm sitting there going, you know, okay, Lord, how do I know? How do I know they're going to be okay? How do I know that this is going to be, you know, because I, it's not like we can exchange emails and build this relationship that could totally put them in serious jeopardy. And so we walked away and the Lord just spoke to me and he says, he goes, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you how I look after this seed. And I was like, okay. And so the next, uh, this was on a Saturday, Sunday. I was preaching in the church and we do it in the afternoon to kind of throw them off on the whole Sunday morning idea. And, and so we're there and there was about 200 people in this warehouse that was hot. And I mean, miserable. Uh, but, and, and people, you know, we could only worship, like really worship when the machines were all kicked up really loud, you know? And that was like, that, that's the reason why they were in this warehouse was so that the machines would block out the sound of the worship. And so we're in there and, um, and all of a sudden this guy, and I get up and I start preaching and I see this guy kind of wander in and I looked at him, and I just called him out. I, I, I went to give him a word, and I said, I just see you just, 
you know, you, you're here, and I said, uh, I said, God is putting you like in a new circle of friends. God is putting you in, and he looked very young, sort of professional, you know, Chinese guy, and you know, looked looked like somebody who had, you know, had a, you know, a, a decent, you know, mi- mi- middle upper middle class sort of guy, you know, for Chinese standards. And I'm looking at him, and I'm giving him this prophetic word, and I said, you know, you've been in this search, and, you know, but the Lord wants you to know he's navigating you. He's bringing you into a place of whole new relationship, whole new friendships. And, and I said, the Lord just wants you to know you're in the safe place. You found it. You made it. This is good. And he raises his hand, and he says, can I say something? And this is when about a couple hundred people, about probably as many as are here. He says, can I say something? And I said, sure. And he goes, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. He said, I woke up this morning, and I, somebody had mentioned the name Jesus the other day, and I said, Jesus, if you're real, I want to know you. And he said, and I had this feeling that I needed to get dressed, leave my apartment, and he says, I walked out, and somebody stepped over to me and said, follow me, I'm going to take you where you need to go, and led him to this warehouse, and then disappeared. And then I give him this prophetic word. Now, and then the father says to me, see, it's my seed. I look after my seed. And I had all this sense of peace and encouragement and hope. And I'm like, okay, God, those, those little restaurant workers, they're yours. You're, you're going to look after them. It's all going to be good. It would not surprise me in the slightest to go back and visit that restaurant one day and to find it a church, you know, just in that, in that setting. I wasn't planning on sharing any of that, but, it, you know, God looks after this. God, God is, this is God's deal, you know, and, 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 and he's in passionate pursuit of every human being on the, on the planet. Genesis 1.26 says this, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now, this is the first statement that we understand of God talking about identity. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. God in his benevolence, the Father in his great benevolence, wants us to share in who he is. He wants us to share in his likeness. He wants us to share in his authority. He wants us to share in his, in, in his power, in his presence. That is how benevolent he is. God is not withholding that from us. God is not saying, well, if you jump high enough, if you earn it, if you're good enough, if you're... No, he's wanting us. He's a benevolent father. He's a benevolent God. And he's wanting us to share in that. He's wanting us to, uh, to partake in that. And he goes on to say, and they will reign, they will reign over the fish of the air, of the, excuse me, over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals. Now in the original King James it says, and they will have dominion, which means rule over. They will have this dominion power, this dominion authority and all the wild animals of the earth and all the small animals, all the things that scurry along the ground. So this is God's commitment is that you're going to have dominion authority. You're, he wants, he's so benevolent that he allows us to share in his likeness, but not only in his likeness, but also in his power and authority. That's the benevolence of our God. Every other religion of the world, every other, is, is God is a dominant being who is superior to all 
And above all, and we are constantly recognizing how deficient we are, how much far lower we are. Everyone else, he is superior. All of humanity are slaves and, and, and are slaves to him as a dominant God. That's the picture, you know, that, that all the other religions of the world, you know, just to give you a snapshot apologetic sort of, you know, communication is. In here in this communication, we see God wanting his creation to share in his identity, to share in who he is. So he wants us to share even in his rule. And so Adam and Eve are in this place. They're in this place of absolute provision. They're in this place of unhindered presence. They are experiencing just this raw, beautiful presence of God. And in this place of encountering his presence, what happens is their authorization, their place of authority comes out of their time spent with the Father. It comes out of that time, that time spent with the Father. Now, we don't see this as them sitting over under a tree with, with Bibles open, you know, trying to get in their 15 minutes of reading in and then 15 minutes of prayer in and then, you know, uh, 15 minutes of solitude in in order to get to that place. And then that's, that's their time in the presence. There is, no, there is none of that. It's just being with him. This is a place of being, not doing. It's not ticking boxes. It's out of relationship. And that's where the Father wants us to be at, is in that place of just relationship, in that place of abiding. And the garden was a place of abiding. And so when, when he would come in, and the scripture says that he, he would come and spend time with them in the cool of the day. We don't know if that is in the morning and evening, because there are two times of the day that are cooler. Uh, it could have been in the start of the morning. But in that time with him, we see this place of, of, of restored sense out of that time spending with him was this restored sense of authorization. Time with the Father authorizes us to do anything and everything that God wants us to do. Now, Satan sees this in Genesis 3, 1, and he comes in to disrupt this system. You know, all their food is provided. There's no need for clothing because there's no, there's no awareness of being uncovered. That's, you know, let me tell you something. That's what the presence of God does, is it gives us a sense of covering. It gives us a sense of being completed, and it, 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 it clothes us. It does, there's, there's, no, there's no awareness of, of being without uh, you know, uh, something to, to block or to obscure. It's just everything, everything is bare because the presence itself is a coating and is a covering. And in, in Genesis 3, 1, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the animals that the Lord God had made. And one day, I asked the woman, Did God really say... This is where Satan comes in. Did God really say that you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? And when Satan comes in, we see what he, what he ministers here is Satan ministers unbelief. He comes in and it starts with that question, did God say? He comes in with this, this doubting, with this questioning. He comes in with this place of, of going, I'm not quite sure, I'm not, you know, and, and gets us to disbelieve God. And so... He was getting them to question God's intentions towards them. The temptation and the sin of the garden is not disobedience. The temptation that is taking place in the sin of the garden, what brings about the fall, is unbelief. Unbelief is what ushers in the fall, not disobedience. 
Unbelief will lead to disobedience. Unbelief will, will lead to that. But disobedience is not what is at the, at the crux of what is happening here. And Satan comes in and he ministers that. What did God say? With bringing questioning, with bringing you know, these question marks. Genesis 3, 2 through 5 says, Of course, Eve responds and says, Of course we may eat of any of the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said that you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So here's the picture. God comes in and he says this. He says, listen, you can eat of everything. There's just one tree. I just don't even want you to touch. I don't want you to look at it. The only thing that you have to do is to abstain from it. Now let me show you a flip side of something, of, of what unbelief brings in or what sort of sin brings in. What happens is that once all of a sudden, once, once we move into that, into that system of unbelief and following this other thing is if you take a look, for instance, you know, a lot of people have, have questioned like, you know, why do I have to give my money? Why do, I have, why do I have to tithe? Why do I have to give 10%? Why do I have to do this? You know, does God really need that? Does God, listen, if you take a look, this, to me, this, there's a principle of this even right here. They didn't have to give anything. There was no need for sacrifice. There was no need for giving of, you know, sacrificial animals or giving of anything. There was no need for that. All they had to do was not touch it. They just had to leave it alone. But at the point where they decide to follow the enemy's plan, well, then they have to give it. Then there's a requirement of giving. Then there's a demand to give. There's this requirement to keep peace, to keep unity. The, the arrangement before is there was no need for that. There was no need for animal sacrifices. There was no need for bringing of offerings. It was just, just leave it. Just leave it alone. This is mine. Just don't touch it. And a part of that is that that tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, I believe is the law. And is what we see in scripture that that tree is the law. You see later when Christ comes and he dies, Jesus is the tree of what? The tree of life. He's the tree of life. He's the source of life. And so they're eating from the tree of life in the garden. They can eat of that as much as they want. They're unrestricted from it. They can have as, and participate as much of it. But then to partake of both, and this is really something for us in our lives, all of a sudden if we move from this, we want to we be free from this sort of performance orientation sort of thinking and move into this place of grace which the tree of life is, is grace, but then we don't want to give up sort of this performance because that, that, that's something that we can show not to God, but to everybody else. And it's sort of this measurable thing that I want to demonstrate to everyone that I'm, I'm at least ticking my boxes in this part of my life, but the Lord's like, no, 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 this is, that one is a place of being, the other is a place of doing. One is a place of performance, the other is just a place of relationship, it's a place of identity. Does that make sense? And so all of a sudden, when Jesus goes and dies on the cross, it's a powerful picture because here you see the tree of life covering the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life is being sacrificed because Jesus looks at, at the, you know, as he's on his way to the cross and the, uh, the women are weeping for him and he looks at them and he says, don't weep for me, weep for yourself. If this is being done in a green tree, how much worse is it in the dry? Well, a dry tree is a dead tree. A green tree is a tree filled with life. So he's stopping and he's saying, here's the comparison. Here's the comparison of, of, of who I am and what I'm inviting you to and who I want to be in you. And then here's the comparison of what you've accepted, what you've bought into that needs to be covered. 
And so Jesus covering that tree, this place of the death, place of the curse, this place, here he was sealing off that which had been robbing them, you know, all this time. Anyway, let's get back to Genesis 3. She says, of course we can eat of any of the trees of the garden, she replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God says you must not eat it. You must not touch it. If you do, you will die. Satan comes back with, you won't die. You're not going to die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now here, this was a taunt of knowledge, a taunt of knowing, a taunt of... And here's the thing. The scripture says that all of us, at the very best, only know in part. Right? At the very best... And yet there's this, even in Christendom, there's this vast pressing in, this vast pursuit of, of knowing more. And, it's, and it's, it's almost like a competition to have a, a greater level of knowledge or a greater handle or have the newest revelation or have the newest, you know, sort of biting edge thing, you know, of, 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 of this truth to reveal. And there's like this press for that, and yet all of that still seems to smack to me of knowledge of good and evil. When this really comes out of not of a place of what we fill ourselves with knowledge, but where we fill ourselves with relationship. That's what Christ invites us to. Come into relationship. Come into a place of knowing me. Come into a place of, of, of being with me. Come into a place of, 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 you know, of understanding. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and if you were to ask my five-year-old to tell you my story, he couldn't. If you were to ask about his daddy and to tell you the story of his dad, well, was your, was your grandpa a pastor? He'd, be go, he'd probably go, I don't know. You know, I have no idea. Well, well tell me about your daddy. He likes to tickle. You know, uh, dad, daddy likes to make me breakfast in the morning and, and daddy likes to, you know, uh, when I'm trying to, you know, clean up my room, you know, come in and, and, you know, mess with me when I'm trying to get my room clean uh, so that mommy gets upset at daddy and tells him he has to leave the room and, you know, all this, you know, everything he's going to relate to is going to be a knowledge of relationship, it's not a knowledge of my story or who I am or where I come from. And that's what the Father wants from us. It's not this vast knowledge. I, I, I literally, in, in the Identity Thief, in the, the new book, I talk about how the Lord took me to heaven. Uh, I've only had it happen one time to my knowledge. And in and this whole time, I'm asking all these theological questions. The whole time. Here I have, I, I realize in the moment, I have an audience with the Father. I, all of a sudden, at some point, I am aware that I am in the presence of Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You know, uh, the Ancient of Days is standing before me, you know, and, and all these theological questions come out. And every theological question I asked him, he looked at me and he just turned his head like this. And I was like, well, are you going to answer them? Are you going to tell me? You know, come on, I want the inside scoop. And he looks at me and he goes, why would you ask stuff about me when I'm right here? Why would you spend all your time wanting to know about me and wanting to know about this? I'm here. Let's live in this moment. Let's, 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 let's spend time in this. 
And, and all the risk-taking stuff that I've learned, where you hear me talk about cranking up the risk, in one experience with him that night, all of it came where he basically asked me to run and leap off the side of this mountain that was thousands of feet above the ground. And, and that was really the big takeaway. And he said, I just want you to live in this risk. And when, there was no vast theological, you know, it wasn't, is it Calvinism, Arminianism, is it this, is it that? It wasn't, there was not, you know, give me, you know, come on, it's really premillennial or all millennial. You know, please let me be right, you know. Uh, none, all, none of that meant a thing. None of it mattered. Why? Because you're in the presence of Almighty God. Why, why would any of that stuff matter in that? I mean, it's fun to read. It's fun. I love exploring it. I love coming up with conclusions and arguing with other ministers about it playfully, you know. Uh, you know, I'm Scott-Irish. I can argue. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I love that band. I love that engagement. I love all that. But, but when it comes down to it, he's like, look, this is just about knowing me. You're, you're, in, the pre- you're in this presence. Don't, don't, don't be distracted by its real pur- from its real purpose. And I'm like, oh, Lord, yeah, you're so right. You're so right. And the woman was convinced, it says, and she saw the tree, that it was beautiful, the fruit looked delicious, and she wanted its wisdom that it would give her. And so she took some of the fruit and she ate it. And then she gave some to her husband. So we see that Adam's standing there the whole time. You know, sort of this, that pictures that we always sort of seen as, you know, Eve gets deceived and she sort of sneakily comes over and is like, hey, Adam, <laughs> you know, <laughs> try this, you know, <laughs> it's not like that at all. Obviously, Adam's standing right there the whole time. And I think Adam could have put a stop to it. I think he could have said, you know what? Well, we're not going to do that. Even after she had bitten it. I think it could have totally t- turned away. But no, she goes, he goes for it. She, he, he's not, she's not dragging him into this. She's not trying to persuade him into it. He takes it. He eats it too. And it says, at that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt free. They suddenly felt this vast freedom. Satan says, oh, all this wisdom, all this knowledge, all of this stuff is going to, all of a sudden, this liberation, they began to feel like they were soaring. Is that what it says? No. What comes rushing in? Shame, guilt, the exact opposite of everything Satan had promised them. Let me tell you this, guys. They were already in the image of God. God said, let us make man and woman to be like us in our image. They already were in the image. So when Satan says, you will be like God, he was promising them nothing. Nothing at all. There was no gain for what he was offering. There was no gain from what he was proposing to them. And so all of a sudden, he dupes them. He pulls the wool over their eyes. And this is the plot of the enemy ever since. Ever since, in in following, and if something goes wrong, all of a sudden, you believe the lie of the enemy about something, and what comes rushing in? Guilt, shame. You buy into, you know, yeah, I shouldn't have done that, or I, I, I crossed that line, and I shouldn't have. And then what comes rushing in? Oh, a sense of freedom? No, guilt and shame. You know, guilt and shame comes rushing in. You know, guilt and shame, or 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 even confession uh, to where you go to share something, and then uh, the other person who 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 didn't know and who this could impact, all of a sudden, then they feel guilt and shame, 
And it just perpetuates further and further. Why? Because that's what the tree of knowledge of good and evil brings. That's what this law sort of system brings, is it brings this place of being locked up, shut away. That's the reason why the most powerful prophetic words that you can ever give people are are calling them to their potential, not revealing their current state, if it's broken and hurt and wounded. Don't reveal to them, you know, the, 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 the place of, of, of repentance, you know, that, that we so grew up in churches where that we needed to, you know, uh, so unleash. I was with a group of uh, young college students at Wheaton University and, and um, there was, it, it, this guy called me on the phone and he goes, you know, there's a bit of revival happening amongst these students. It's really cool. And I was like, okay. And so he said, you know, would you come? Would you speak and minister? You know, some real cool stuff is happening. So I go there. There's about 65 students crammed in this little house. And they're like sitting up the stairs. And it was cool what was happening. Spirit of God was there. You could feel God's presence. It was an exciting place. And so uh, they said, first we worship. And then we do some praying. And then we go into the ministry. And he said, but there's this one guy who's kind of the prophet among us. And they said, we, we kind of don't go, we don't, we don't go from the worship into the ministry without kind of getting the nod from him because you'll, you'll see what I mean. He sort of gets a sense of that it's time to do that. And I was kind of like, well, that's weird, but okay. And so uh, we get in and we go in. The worship was just spectacular. Oh, no, no, you have to pray first before you can go into worship. That's what it was. I apologize. And then you go from there into ministry. And I was like, but, but we have to get to the certain place in prayer before we get there. And so we're in there and people are, are praying and just, Lord, let your presence come. And let, you know, standard good stuff prayer. And then all of a sudden, uh, this guy goes, the guy who's this young 19-year-old, you know, Wheaton student who's this, you know, prophetic guy. He goes, there's sin in the room. And I'm like, duh, you know, you know, he goes, there's sin in the room and he goes, and until we deal with the sin, we can't worship. And I was like, this is going to be an interesting night. (laughs) And, uh, and he goes, um, he goes, there's sin. He goes, the sin is lust. And I was like, now look, I could throw a rock up and hit somebody that has, two thirds of this group is young, you know, guys in their early 20s, late teens. The rest are girls. It's hard not to point to somebody and go, I think you got some lust. You know, this is a real no brainer, you know, and I'm like, that's. You know, your prophet buddy, I don't think he's really that much of a prophet, to be honest with you. That's what I'm thinking the whole time, you know? And then he's like, get it out. And I'm like, get it out. Whoa. <laughs> Everybody leaves the room? How do, we, how do we get this out, you know? And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, this guy goes, it's me, it's me. And he's like, I was reading these magazines, and I was looking online, and I was like, and I'm like, oh, dear God. <laughs> I want to focus on Jesus, not what this guy's doing in his room. You know, I don't want to, I'm just like, oh Lord, you know? And I'm sitting there the whole time just sort of wincing as one after another, after another, after another. And I'm just sort of cringing, waiting for, you know, some guy to go, well, it's her that I've been thinking about this. Or that one right there with the blonde. I'm like, oh Jesus. 
you know, my pastor heart is like panicking, you know, and I'm kind of like, okay, just breathe normal, you know? <laughs> and so finally, it's, it sort of dies down, and then the, the prophet kid's like, okay, we can worship now. And I'm like, we could have worshiped back then, you know, and gotten rid of all of it in the worship, you know? Why? Because one wants to put our focus on our sin, our condition of brokenness, where worship puts my, fo- my focus off of me and onto the Father. And it makes me, that's how I, that's what repentance is, is turning away from this and turning to him. Turning away from the thing that would so easily beset me and putting my attention to him who takes me out of that. How else am I going to get out of it? You know, it's not just living in this place of full acknowledgement. And a matter of fact, I mean, I tell people all the time, don't come to the place of confession to where you're like, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. But more so, if you feel like there's something you're really bad on, you're not just saying, I'm fighting this. I'm warring against this. War with me. You know, pray for me and war with me because this is something I'm defeating and conquering. Speak from the advantage of Christ in you, the overcomer, the more than the conqueror, the one who's made you to overcome, not the condition that you're in. Why? Because the other is Satan robbing you of your true identity. You see how Satan comes in? How he comes in with the guilt, with the shame, that is him stealing and robbing the identity. And so it's so easy to all of a sudden get caught up in, in that and getting fixed on, I've got all of these things blocking the path and I've got all these things blocking the way. How do I get rid of those? By getting my eyes on Jesus Christ and off of where I've been. And off of, of where I, and realizing, wait a minute, those thoughts, those feelings, because most of what these young people were confessing weren't things they had done. It was thoughts they had had and feelings they had had. And again, are all your thoughts and feelings you? Those are the fiery darts of the enemy. So I don't have to come in and own those thoughts and own those feelings. I recognize those as the lie of the enemy and X them out and say, no, it's not my thought. It's not my feeling. That's something the enemy's been trying to get me to buy into. Is that helpful? But this is how the enemy tries to rob our identity. And so much of the church has been robbed for years and years and years of being focused on what is broken inside of them rather than the conquering, ruling, reigning king who has overcome those things. And that's where our identity is set, is in him and overcoming that. So what happens? All of a sudden, she took some of the fruit, she ate it, she gave it to her husband. He ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. That place of brokenness, that place of sin causes us to try to cover up. It causes us to try to cover up. Now, the, the other bad side of it is to where I lie about my condition and don't embrace my condition. You know, I have a friend who will do something wrong and he'll say to me, you know, I'll go and confront him and he goes, oh, you don't understand, that's not my heart. I'm like, well, that may not be your heart, but it was your actions. Oh, but it's not my heart. I get that. But your actions did this. You know, at least own the fact of where your actions were at and realize, hey, I know that's not me. I believed a lie temporarily. I'm sorry. And I fell into that. But, but yeah, that's, that, that's not who I am. I get it's not who you are. But we also have to understand that where our actions are, that the enemy will try to trip us up and try to get us in that place to where that we, the actions are just falling through. But if I, do, if I deny responsibility of actions, then I'm just enabling for more sin. 
and enabling for a broken identity. Does that make sense? So don't enable in that. Acknowledge, but also acknowledge that, listen, I embrace something that's, that's not true about myself. I started living something that wasn't in the proper actions that are in the Father in, in identity. So notice Satan comes in with this message. God is withholding from you. God doesn't have the best for you. God is wanting to keep things from you. God doesn't have your best in mind. And when Adam and Eve listen to what Satan is saying, they follow that. And all of a sudden, they, they're, when, what takes place is when they follow the voice of the enemy, when they believe what the enemy says. Now, Adam and Eve had what? Dominion power. They were, rule, they were the rulers of the earth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Satan is the god of this world. Little g. Okay? Capital G is Jehovah, Almighty God, but Satan, the God of this world, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of men. Guess what? That was supposed to be us. We were supposed to be that little G under the capital G. We were supposed to be that, that, that ruler and reigner in his image, in his likeness under him. But Satan came and stole that from us. And how, how he does that is, again, through unbelief, ministering this unbelief. We buy into the unbelief. We accept it. We embrace it. And then what took place, as soon as they, as, instead of ruling over him, when they obeyed him, instead of ruling over him, they were supposed to rule over everything that scurried on the ground. Instead of ruling over him, when they obeyed him instead, there was a power transfer that occurred. All their power and authority, they had to rule the planet, was handed over to him. All the power, all the power and authority, they had to do these beautiful, creative things, these beautiful things under the image of God, under the likeness of the Father, all, all of that, all of a sudden there was a power transfer, and all that power and authority that they had was handed over to the enemy, that dominion authority, and Satan now had dominion over the earth. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, the God, little g, of this world has blinded the eyes of men, has deceived them, kept them in obscurity, blocked their vision, blocked their understanding, deceived them, veiled off their understanding, has blinded the eyes of men. All of a sudden, there was a power transfer, and he started taking all that dominion, authority, and power, now using it to destroy all of humanity and to destroy the earth. So here's the thing. All the destructive power that we see Satan having to kill every... Satan's objective is to kill every human being on the planet. Thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? That's his objective. His objective is to take every one of us out to destroy the planet, to destroy humanity on the planet. That's his objective. He wants to just, you know, create a... Me- because he knows that's God's crown jewel. Human beings are God's crown jewel of creation. And so he wants to kill you and I... And so that's the reason why the resurrection, people asked me, you know, with the, the guy who was raised from the dead that I prayed for in, in England, they were like, why was there so much opposition to it? Because Satan hates a resurrection. Somebody being raised from the dead, man, that is a, that, there is no greater affront to Satan's kingdom than that. Why? Because that's, that's the biggest tool in his tool belt, is death. And, and when you turn it upside down, you just stripped it right out of his bag, man. That's the reason why, that's the reason why he's so mad. That's the reason why they, that, that the religious leaders were trying to figure out how to kill Lazarus after he was raised from the dead. I mean, how stupid is it to try to kill a guy who just got raised from the dead? I mean, that's a, 
that's a pretty dumb thing to do. But yet it was because this is a great affront. Now here's the thing. Satan stays empowered by our unbelief. The only way that he stays in power is our unbelief. God does not keep him empowered. Our unbelief keeps him in power. And our unbelief, now here's how unbelief works. You know, <clears throat> how many of you believe Jesus can raise the dead? Okay, how many of you believe he can use you to raise the dead? You're a sharp crowd. It's usually less hands. You guys are all pretty much raising your hands. Usually it's half. You know, I, I know Jesus can raise it. I know he can raise it. How many believe he can use you to do what? Oh, hang on. You know, all of a sudden, that's where it comes in. And we stop and we're like, well, oh, my, there's, no, there's no question about God's power. Please understand, Robbie. I don't question that. It, it's, it's, those are issues with me, though. This is issues with me. That's unbelief. Thinking God can't use me to do something is unbelief. And it's depleting, him, it's depleting who he is in me. It's saying he's not capable enough to use somebody as messed up as I am. He's not powerful enough to use somebody as broken as I am. He's not as powerful enough to use somebody who's in a place, you know, like I, like I am in, the condition I, I'm in. Now listen, I, I've, got a, I've got a lot to say, but let me, let me skip through something here just to get to... See, I know I'm boring you guys. No, it's, I know, no, 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 no. It's like, no, don't. Stop. No, don't. Stop. Don't. Stop. No. <laughs> um, listen to this. I love this. And you, you know this passage. Um, it's, it's, so, it's so powerful. Um, this is in uh, Romans 8. My, my, mother, my mother was a phenomenal preacher and teacher. Uh, for over a year, she did a, a, a one-day, a two-and-a-half-hour class on Saturday at a Bible college that, uh, that most don't do Saturday classes, but this was for people who weren't able to make it during the week. She taught on Romans 8 for over a year. Just Romans 8. Never left the chapter. But if you think about it, Romans 8 is one you could teach on for probably about a year. But she was just such an amazing teacher and preacher. And, but it says, for, the spirit <clears throat> for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. See, God is working to establish your identity for you. His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. God is your greatest advocate in your identity. You're not having to fight for it on your own. The Father's fighting for it for you. Be encouraged with that. You're not having to, to contend for it on your own. And since we are his children and we are his heirs, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We are heirs. We are recipients of his glory. Now, now, we sort of have all, all heard all sorts of things, but can you imagine you're an heir of his glory? Uh, I, I mean, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to be an heir of his service or an heir of, of you know, of, of, of just, you know, title or something, but an heir of his glory. I mean, guys, that's powerful. But we are to share his glory. We must also share in his suffering, to be willing to get to that place of his glory. If you hear Cam Ron's story, you hear somebody who was 
bringing himself to the place of going, okay, I'm going to celebrate being in this place of his suffering. Why? Because really in that place of suffering, it, there is a place of his glory. Now, our, our, our understanding of the suffering has been, you know, because we've been told this by the church, it's you being in sickness. It's you being in a place of brokenness and, 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 you know, in emotions and you being in a place of brokenness in, in your identity and, and you being deficient. Just, just accept that as a suffering. This isn't the suffering they're talking about. This is paying the price. This is willing to lay down their lives. This is a place, it's what Cameron was talking about in his story. That's a place of the suffering. It's being the place of, of going out and, you know, you stop and say, well, I've asked people if I could pray for them. I've had people spit on me, you know, uh, throw stuff at me, curse me, you know, and so I'm just not good at this. I'll never get it. No, you don't understand. That's the fellowship of the suffering. Jesus said you're going to be rejected. Just remember, it's not you, it's me. They're not rejecting you, it's me. Don't, don't take this personally. Don't take this, don't, don't think, it's almost like, don't think of yourself so much that you think you're being persecuted yourself that it's me they're they're hating it's me they're after but do you see how that that's glory i mean when you take a look in god's economy why because this is the upside down kingdom this is a kingdom where the least are made the greatest this is a kingdom where those who are in the lowest form who are the least likely to be used get to be used the most this is a kingdom that where everything works in reverse. This is a kingdom where that if you think you are the most disqualified person in the room, guess what? You've just been made qualified. That's the kingdom. That's, that's this kingdom because everything's, in, uh, everything's upside down. And so this is a kingdom where you know, the closest place to the throne in eternity are those who've lost their heads for the sake of the gospel. That's the place of suffering and that's the place of ultimate unrestrained glory. Can you imagine? So it all just works. That's the reason why Jen, Cam's wife, could go and stand before the judge and saying, go ahead, kill me. If you kill me, it's only going to bless me. Can you imagine how irritating that is to a, somebody who's trying to torture you? What? <laughs> me smacking you around, beating you. I'm sorry, what? You're blessing me. You're blessing me because you're, what, what, what I'm working for isn't what's happening right here and now. It's in another place. It's in this upside down kingdom. I mean, man, it just, it just it, everything's in reverse. And so he goes on and he says, and since we are the children, we are, we, uh, since we are children and his heirs, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We share also with the, with, uh, share in his suffering. And that's where the tension, you know, comes into. And it says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he re will reveal to us later. So he's saying, listen, don't get your eyes focused on what you're having to suffer here. Get your eyes focused on the glory that this leads us to and that will carry us to there. That's, that's the prize. The suffering isn't the prize. Otherwise, we're just going around, you know, licking each other's wounds and going, oh yeah, I'm suffering more than you. I'm, you know, and this, you know, my scars are deeper than your scars. That's not the objective, but the objective is understanding the place of glory. Why? Because that place of glory is, again, a place of identity. For all of creation is waiting eagerly. All of creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. I love how Eugene Peterson says it, 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 where he says, you know, and he goes on to say, the whole earth groans. 
and moans. I, I hate it when people call these natural disasters, when people call them acts of God. They are not acts of God. They are acts of the earth. And it's right here explaining the whole earth groans and moans. Why is it groaning and moaning? Because it is under the tyrannous rule of a ruler who was never supposed to rule it. It's under the tyrannous ruler of a ruler who's never supposed. The earth is going, no, this is not the one who rules me. What has happened? The system that God established has been turned around. What is taking place? The earth is in pain and suffering, crying out. Saying, I'm under this tyrannous rule of one, under the pain of the sin and all this thing that was not supposed to be here. This was, I was supposed to be a place of housing the presence and the glory. What happened? And the earth, scripture says, is crying out. For who? For you and I. It's crying out for you and I. See, you're a smart crowd. It's not crying out for Jesus. It's not crying out. The whole earth is crying out for the ones who are supposed to be ruling on it. Because that was the system. That was the true identity. That was the true place that God intended. And the whole earth is in pain and in agony saying, no, where's the rightful place? Where's the right? Under this tyrannous ruler. It's crying out. You see, guys, we are the solution us walking our true identity, us embracing who we really are, us walking out in healing to our communities, sharing Jesus with people that don't know him, going out loving those who are unloving, loving those who are persecuting, loving those who hate us, loving those who, who, who want you know, to be rid of us, just lavishing and loving instead of retaliating and reacting. When we do that, we are putting things right in that system. Then we are acting as the sons of God. I love how that Eugene Peterson says, crying out for the sons of God to, review, to reveal their true God self. The true God self that you and I were made to be in, the whole earth is crying out for that because that was, that was the, the, the person God made us to be, it was just reflectors of his presence, carriers, you know, bearing his presence, his image. And so when we get frustrated with the system, when we get frustrated with, you know, uh, all the horrible things on the earth, all of the, you know, uh, uh, climate shift, climate not shift, whatever, every, whatever that stuff is, all of that stuff is the earth just crying out in pain. And the solution isn't just, you know, conservation itself. The solution is Christ in you being revealed to your community. It sets everything Right. I'm not saying be irresponsible, but, be, but be, that, that's the greatest thing of responsibility that you can do for the earth. Because that's, the scripture does say we're heading towards this place called the new heaven and the new earth. And that's where I believe we are all truly walking back in our place of identity. And the whole earth is crying out for you. Complain about your communities, the violence that's there. Guess where the solution is? Christ in you. We just got to put Jesus on display. We got to reveal that true God self. We got to release it. We got to let it go. Okay? All right. Again, there's, there's no real grand conclusion. There's no like nice little landing I have. It's just sort of, I'm like right in the middle of notes anyway. So 
But uh, let <laughs> bless you. I hope that helps uh, somebody. Danielle, come here for a minute. I have this gift. It's called throwing people under the bus. <laughs> come on up, Danielle. Come on. Now you're on your own. Come on. You get no fly support. Danielle's from my friend Cameron's church in, uh, in Southern Acres in um, Lexington, Kentucky. And um, she and her husband are amazing people. And so anyway, she's going to prophesy to everybody in the room while I go sit down. No. <laughs> Let me tell you something. These are the safest people to give prophetic words to, okay? Serious. I'm dead serious. These are the safest people to give prophetic words to. So just point to them, look at them, just trust what the Lord says. They'll tell you if you're wrong. Don't be offended if you're wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to be offended if you're wrong. Because I can't be offended if I'm wrong. Can uh, I get it wrong often? But I'll help, I'll help you out. We'll do this together. Just, just hold that. Is that on? Oh, oh, sorry. I pushed, I think I pushed it. There we go. I pushed the wrong way. Saying out of that. Lord, just bless her. Take all that shock and fear. Go now. Jesus name. <laughs> Be released, be free, and Jesus. All right. So, Father, we just thank you for just blessing our friends here. We'll just, we, I know we're supposed to stop at 12, but can we do this for a few minutes, Van? Just, I just thank you, Lord, just for blessing and encouraging uh, just people here. Lord, just fill them up in Jesus' name. I'll be your backup shoot. If you get it off, I'll help you out, okay? Uh, right here in the sweater on the aisle, tannish white striped sweater, yes, glasses right there. What's, what's your name? Raise your hand so everybody knows who I'm talking about. What's your name? Mary. Mary? So Mary, <coughs> yeah, I don't have anything when I call anybody out. It's just, I'm just sort of blindly going, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. Uh, but I felt like that there was just, the Lord was... Um, I, I saw you just like like running through the woods, and like you were going through the woods, and all of a sudden there were like these vines and things trying to wrap around your legs, and it was trying to trip you up, and it was getting frustrated, and it was slowing you down. And it was something that um, kind of started off being on this path, and then you sort of were off-roading a bit, off-trailing a bit, if you were, and you were sort of on this off-path. And it was going, it was going, going kind of good, but then all of a sudden there was like, you know, tree stumps across the path and, and these vines starting to wrap around and it was starting to bog you down. And I saw you getting frustrated and I saw you getting frustrated with sort of stuff wrapping around you know, and sort of slowing down your, you know, your pace, your process and all that. And I just heard the Lord just say that he, that keep your focus not on what is right immediate in front of you, which you kind of have to do when you're running because you have to watch out for obstacles, but keep about, you know, 20 feet ahead. And I kept, I just kept hearing the Lord saying, look what's ahead, not what's right now. Because there's, the, the enemy's trying to get you distracted with what's right now, with some of the distractions and frustrations that are current. I saw relational distractions. I saw uh, some things that were just trying to bog you down. Uh, some financial stuff, things like that, where they're trying to pull at your attention. And I just hear the Lord say, don't fear. Just keep your eyes on him. That Keep trusting him. That he's opening up. He's opening up uh, uh, this into a fresh path and that you don't realize it, but there's actually people following you. People are kind of watching where you're going and that they're going to start to follow you and that there's leadership inside of you. I feel like in times past that got sort of, uh, sort of misunderstood or misdirected in your life, but that there's a real leadership gift that, that God has placed on you. And the Lord's about to open that up to where that you're going to be able to run a little bit quicker, but don't be distracted by what the immediate stuff that would try to pull at you. Does this make sense to you? 
Are you being nice? Don't be nice. Tell me if it doesn't make any sense. It's okay. Okay. So, uh, Father, we just pray for Mary and just thank you just for peace and just uh, not to be distracted by circumstances or what is in the immediate. But, Father, what is ahead, what you have for her, that that's where the goal is. I just pray your blessing on her. And I just pray for encouragement and, and encouragement and healing and and any relational stuff, encouragement and, and, and uh, blessing and financial stuff. And just even just, I, I don't know if you, you know, have a particular type of career or something, but I just felt like the Lord's just opening up some greater level of influence for you too. It's like a promotion type thing. God, God's bringing you up to a higher place of visibility. So Lord, we just pray your blessing on Mary and just pray encouragement uh, for her in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All right. All right, now your turn. Just pick somebody, just go. Just say it. Yeah. You want me to pick them? Let me see first. Let's go for it. I've just been telling my friend Courtney all weekend that I want this gift of prophecy that you have. And this is how you get and it. I asked her this morning on the way, I was like, how do you pursue it? <laughs> okay. Careful what you ask for. <laughs> Let me dive in for another one while you're doing that. Well, actually... Oh, go ahead. A seat um, that always works every time. Well, let me... All right, hey, hang on. It's mine. Go for it. <laughs> okay, please just tell me. Uh, the blonde with the blue and white plaid. Hi, what's your name? Aaron. Aaron, Aaron awesome. Um, okay, I'm just going to ask. Um, this is hard. Not really. No. Just say what okay. you see, you sense, you feel, and then say, does that like Well, sense? it's been on my heart all weekend, um, and I don't know who it's for, so please just be honest. Um, but do you, like, have a battle in your mind? Like, I don't know if there's, like, voices that are coming against you um, or things just coming in your mind that you don't want there. Um, please, I mean, if that's not... Okay, um, so like, I don't know if there's just like all these thoughts that just come against you that aren't from the Lord, kind of like the fiery darts that um, Robbie talks about. Um, it's just not a quiet place. Like your mind's just, it's not still. And um, I just feel like... Does that make sense? Does it? It does make, does make sense. sense. All right. Wow. Um, <laughs> God is good. I've never done this, no, no, and so me, that's right. So no, let that's me, all. Let me, let me help you out. So, if that's the case, if he's having that come against him, and that's the, so, that's the enemy's plot. That's the enemy's plot. right. So, what would be the opposite of that? Because we know then that's God's thing. So, what is the Lord? What, whatever the opposite of that would be, what God is doing, right? Yes. So, what do you think that is? So, what is the Lord doing? Because we don't want to just reveal. This is good, right? Yeah. But, 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 no, I but, need so this. now take that. This is how I coach, by the way. So now take that. Now what you just saw. Now the flip side of that is what is the Lord saying about him? The Lord, well, first of all, um, I feel like today's going to be a day of rest for you, for your mind. And that he's just going like, to really teach you how to renew your mind and what that means. I'm still learning what that means. Um, and there's just going to be so much freedom. It just freedom to just really just focus on him because he just, he speaks life over you. He loves you. He's going to just use you in such a mighty way to make a difference to um, other young boys, perhaps, maybe. And uh, <laughs> um, 
So now, what was the, what were you asking me? I no, just had good. to say that no, first. No, that's good. That's good. What was your name again? Aaron. So Aaron, you know, just with that, with what the Lord showing her with that, with the bombardment of thoughts and all that. Here's what I think. I, you've got a brilliant mind, and the enemy really is threatened by that. Mm-hmm. And so he sees that as something he's wanting to attack because he sees that God's got some stuff. And there's a real, there's a real intelligence that's about you. And you can, yes. you're somebody who can kind of look through and cut through the fluff of things and sort of see things directly. Some people are like, oh, you're too direct or you're too... But that's actually an ability to sort... That's a discernment, an ability to kind of cut through the fluff stuff that's there. And so the enemy sees that as a threat. So he's throwing the stuff against your mind because he sees the threat being that mind that, that will expose him. And so he's trying to distract it with these other thoughts and these other things. But the Lord's, you're too smart for that. The, the Lord's made you wiser than that. And so I just see the Lord just giving you a real wisdom to be able to cut through that, but not only do that, but also help others to be able to cut through that stuff too. And so Satan's doing that because he's threatened by what you have inside of you and what the Lord is bringing in. Are, 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 you, going, are, you, are you taking like any sort of uh, biblical classes or theological classes or anything like that? In real life experience, we're a class of taking that. A real life experience? I, I'm in a job in ministry currently, working with young boys. Um, okay. <laughs> Okay, I, I, I just, what I was seeing was I was seeing, I was seeing you being able to really communicate the word of God in a different way than people would normally be able to do that. I was thinking you were studying, taking that as a form of study. That was just my conclusion. That's why I asked the question. But there's going to be a real ability for you to be able to communicate things from that perspective of really understanding the Father's heart and really understanding that sort of what would normally be just, you know, uh, you know, just general sort of theological perspective, that you're going to be able to communicate God's thinking, God's processing for people to where that they can really grasp that. There's a real favor on you for that. And of course, that's a threat to the enemy. And so he's trying to, to block that. So, but anyway, but, but that's an encouragement. That's a good thing. So but why don't you pray a blessing on it? Sure. Okay. So we just plead the blood of Jesus over this time of prayer for Aaron. And in Jesus' name, that only the Holy Spirit will come close to him. Yep. Only the Holy Spirit will prosper over him. Only the Holy Spirit will just speak truth into his mind. That all the lies of the enemy, we just break those off and we command you to stop right now in Jesus' name. So Father, I just speak blessing over him. Father, I thank you that you're just going to guide these, guide him and just ministering to these young boys, Father, to teach them to just to be men of God and what that looks like may be different for each individual child. But I think that you're just going to give him the knowledge and the words to speak to each individual boy as he just loves on them and just shows them what Jesus looks like. So Father, I just bless him in Jesus' name, Lord. Just make your face to shine on him. Just give him hope and peace, Father, in Jesus' name. What was your name right here in the black jacket? Yeah, what's... Joey? No, no, right here, the black jacket. Greg? Greg? Greg, I just really really felt the the Lord just wanting you to know just this immense love that he has for you. I, I, I... I saw that there's this uh, the sense of God just really uh, beginning to release and, and, and show you just uh, how much he really loves you and, and how that he really cares for you. And I feel like that, that God was opening a new door for you. I feel like that there was something in, in, in uh, my sense is that it's in your work uh, where something has closed off. And that, <clears throat> that thing that is closed off is because there's a new door opening up. And something new that God is, 
is going to begin to open. And I heard the Lord say, don't fear. I felt like there was like a lot of worry and a lot of, you know, I got to plan for this. I got to strategically go for this and all that. And, and as, as wise as that is sort of just in the natural, uh, God has, has, a, has a different plan. He has a different, uh, a different thing. And the Lord is just really opening up. So I, I heard the Lord say, don't be anxious. God's provision is there. Okay. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense? Okay, cool. And so, uh, Lord, we just pray <clears throat> for him and just pray for peace. And also, just uh, in your heart, too, just, uh, I just see the Lord healing some relational wounds, too, just that God is just going to bring peace and just uh, almost pour out like a healing oil uh, just over the wounds of your heart. And, Lord, we just pray your uh, blessing uh, over him and just pray your peace over him and just your presence. Lord, just fill him up. And I, I just hear the Lord say that he's... He's going to really just surprise you with blessing. This is a time of surprising you with blessing. And, and just that's going to bring a real closeness to you with him. So, Lord, we bless them. We bless that in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Go for another. Oh, no, 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 no. You got to do more. Come on. You're in so much trouble. <laughs> she just whispered, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> I'm not scared of you. <laughs> Just jump out. Come on. That's okay. all right. Um, just say, when I look at you, I see. Just point at somebody and just do that. <clears throat> uh, the lady right here in the glasses with your hand and maybe a glove on as well. Hi. What's your name? Victoria. Victoria. Oh, what a beautiful <clears throat> name. Uh, Victoria, I just feel like um, the Lord is saying that you aren't alone, that he's always with you. And that the loneliness is going to end. Um, I don't know if there's just been something just um, just coming against you and just making you feel like you're alone and it's just hopeless. Um, I don't know if Andis is making any sense at all. Um, just call for peace. Just for the Lord to wash over with peace right now. So, Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you see her. I thank you that she may just be the one in here tonight, today, this morning. You always go after the one. So I thank you that today that you are just highlighting her, just letting her know just how much you love her and adore her, that you'll always be with her. You'll never leave her or forsake her. So, Lord, I thank you right now that you are just speaking peace over her, mm-hmm. just peace and hope that you're just speaking to her soul, just the importance that she has in this world to make such a difference for your kingdom. So we just bless you, sister. Mm. We bless you, Victoria. God, you are so precious. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Let me pray just something over you, Victoria. And I don't want you to be alarmed by this, but there's a spirit of death that's come against you and come against your house, and that's a lie of the enemy. And Satan sees you as a threat, and so it's, it's come against you, and it's tried to, with the stuff that Danielle was saying, it's tried to bring you down. It's come against in health, it's also come against in, in loss in life and family members. So right now, we just come against the foul spirit of death that would come against this woman. We break your hold, we break your power, you get off of her now in the name of Jesus. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, and every attempt and every manifestation of that spirit of death, you have no right over her 
And Father, we thank you for the precious faith that's in this woman. We thank you for that determination. We thank you for that faithfulness despite all these other things. Lord, that there's a perseverance, there's a strength, there's a tenacity, there's an unyieldingness inside of her. And right now, we just come against just all of those other things that would try to rob that. And we say, stand down now by the authority of Christ. And we bless her in Jesus' name. We bless your victoriousness in her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Praise the Lord. All right. So we're coming back tonight at 530. It's 5.30. Bob is going to blow it up. Just let me... you. You have been warned. You have been warned. So come back at, 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 at 5.30. Uh, stand up if you would. If, if it, let's do this. Just anybody who is like, uh, you just feel like you've been going through some discouragement or going through just some uh, rough time and you're just like, man, I, I just, I, I've just really been going. Raise your hand right now if that's you. Okay, you guys standing around them. So keep your hands up or nobody's going to come to you. You guys who are standing around, look at one of these people with their hands up, and I want you just to go to them, and I want you to give them a prophetic word. Trust that the Lord is there. It's not just your ability, or you're, you're relying on the Holy Spirit. So turn around, find somebody with their hand up, and when somebody comes to you, you can put your hand down, but keep your hand up till somebody comes to you. But go to them now, on the count of three, three. If you're still standing there without your hand up, move now. Move now. Go to somebody and just give them, uh, just, uh, don't do three on one, but just give them a word. There's a lady right back there with her hand up. Yeah, just step over. All right. Go for it right now.